Hey everybody, welcome to Healing Together, a podcast and community that I have created in order to provide comfort, inspiration and healing. My name is Martin, I work as a counsellor and yoga teacher and I'm interested in the power of community and stories. And so me and my amazing friends will share with you some of the ordinary and extraordinary experiences that have shaped our lives, often talking about the struggles and finding a way to shine a light on some of the darker corners of your heart and your soul so that you can find a new kind of strength, practicing openness, kindness, and hopefully being able to be grateful for everything that comes your way. We are stronger together. Let's all find different ways to guide each other home to that place of peace and fulfillment. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 14 of Healing Together. Thank you so much for all the feedback that we had on episode 13 with Ruth. Um, It seemed to touch a lot of people's hearts and I've had a great deal of feedback which I'm going to share on the feedback episode coming in the next week or so. Um, I was really um, touched to hear about how many people had realisations that maybe some aspects of their relationship weren't as healthy as they'd previously thought and that some people are going to be taking action regarding that and have already reached out to me to ask for support on where to go with that. So, Ruth, you've you've done an amazing job in raising awareness, um, particularly as we are now ending um, domestic Domestic Abuse Awareness Month, and uh, it's been a really important contribution. So thank you for that, Ruth, and and for everybody um, for being quite brave in listening to to the episode because it was tough even for me to to be listening to it. So I imagine it was for for some other people as well. Um, And today for episode 14, we have Matt Webster, who um, is on the screen with me here, and um, he will introduce himself in a moment. Um, Today, Matt's going to be discussing his experiences since being diagnosed with HIV, and he'll talk you through um, the diagnosis and the effect that that had on his life, as well as um, discussing the realities of living with HIV um, in in the times that we are, and um, I'm really excited to to hear more about that. And uh, enough of me talking, anyway. Um, how are you today, Matt? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you so much for having me on today as well. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's um, it's something that I'm not sure many people have got much experience of talking about. And uh, I guess that we might find out that it's a bit more prevalent than most people would realise. And so to to raise awareness is, is so important. And for anybody that is experiencing this themselves, you know, to to, to not feel alone um, if they do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real gift. Um, so thank you. Okay, well, um, I'll 
ask you now just to introduce yourself tell us a little bit more about you where you live etc um and then we'll take a couple of moments before we get into the main body of the of the show so um over to you matt tell us a bit more about yourself cool cheers man so yeah so, I, so i'm matt i'm um, 36 years old i live in brighton um and i moved here just over 11 years ago from um living near Ulverston in the lake district um <coughs> I, so I, I came out at the age of 24 um, and then I was diagnosed with HIV uh, at the age of 25. So that's kind of, yeah, kind of how it started and kind of, yeah, what's kind of led me to where, to where I am now. Okay, well, thank you so much for that. And I already have a couple of questions based on your introduction, but I will sit on my hands and be quiet for a moment while we take a breath and kind of bring bring us into the right place to be be moving into um, into the show. So um, for you, Matt, and the listener, just sitting up nice and tall. And if anybody is operating any machinery or driving, then maybe save this breath until later on just to keep your attention on what you're doing um, and of course if anybody wants to lie down or anything like that then do that but definitely not if you're driving um, and uh, if it feels okay just closing down your eyes or softening the gaze and just paying attention first of all to the quality of your breath right now and without judgment noticing if your breath is fast or slow Maybe it's nice and steady. I know that my breath here is a little bit shallow, so I'm going to gently try to just bring a bit more length into the inhale by sending that inhale down into the base of the lungs, down into my belly. Maybe feel the belly rise. Feeling the ribs expand at the sides and noticing that breath going up to the collarbones. And exhaling, sighing out the breath, letting the shoulders drop down, the belly contract. Noticing that slight pause at the bottom of the breath and then sending another fresh breath in all the way down into the belly. Ribs expand, chest rises. And sighing out the exhale as everything relaxes. And just one more nice big inhale, trying to sip in a bit more air, finding the edge of the lung capacity, softness at the top. And let it go, exhaling. And opening the eyes if they're closed. Okay. I feel a little bit calmer now. <laughs> <laughs> I think people forget that I get nervous doing this too every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Healthy nerves, hopefully. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I'd said to you that I was going to ask some questions, and I didn't think it was this soon on. But um, when you um, when you introduced yourself there, I noted that you um, came out at twenty four. And I thought I was the kind of a late um, come outer, if that's the <laughs> thing, um, when I was 23. Um, and that, well, I'm 42, so it's kind of like almost 20 years ago now. Um, would It feels a bit judgy, but I guess I'll just be open. Like that feels quite late. Um, what, what was your experience of, of coming out at that time? 
Yeah, I mean, it was it was generally quite good. Um, there was a few, you know, little challenges and issues. It was, I mean, it was hard. Obviously, it's I think it's hard for for a lot of people, isn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it, you spend, you know, well, I spent twenty four years of my life, you know, not being true my true self, um, and you know, trying to trying to just just hide that fact away and trying to be like this, this straight person. Um, that you know liked girls and you know all this kind of stuff and yeah I, I think you spend so much time hiding that it kind of builds up into this huge like fireball that when you know when you do come out or when you do get to that point where you're kind of ready to come out it's it's you know it's it's, it's really hard and um yeah I, I I kind of did it quite slowly I started kind of telling a few of my close friends first before I kind of eventually got around to yeah speaking to my family but yeah, on the whole, really good responses. My friends were really supportive and, yeah, really kind of um, loving with it. And, yeah, my family as well. In fact, my mum my, my thought I got someone pregnant when I was out of this. So, um, Same. yeah. Same. <laughs> it's like, no, it couldn't be more different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry, mum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's kind of how it happened. But yeah, like I said, everyone was really good. Um, there was a few little issues. So, um, you know, I was jumping from quite a small <clears throat> village and, and near, near quite a small town in the, yeah, in the, the very south of, um, of Furness. Um, so, yeah, it was a few, it was a few challenging things that were said when I came out. Um, I used to work in, a, in like a, a little pub. Um, and yeah, when when the kind of I think the news was kind of spreading faster than I could actually tell people. Um, you know, once yeah. it kind of started, it's it's like a, I don't know, yeah, it's like a snowball, isn't it? it? Just just keeps going and going and going, and then you've got to kind of try and catch it up a little bit, but also try and do it in your own time. So yeah, there was a few a few comments and things that um yeah, it kind of affected me at the time. Um, and it was quite quite hard to to hear some of these because it was obviously you know it's so hard to actually start to tell people um but yeah you know all the time you know it happens and then you get it unfortunately um and you know there's, there's so many people you know working and fighting for you know equal rights and just to yeah just to educate people so yeah yeah no thank you for sharing that i um think it's so important to kind of acknowledge what led to people coming out because there's a whole, it's, it's a bit like when people come to therapy, I always say, you know, this started way before you actually saying these things out loud. And you've been often struggling with this alone for such a long period of time. And yeah, there can be a relief in, in finally, you know, kind of saying those words out loud. And, um, but then, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a big change. It's, it's kind of out there, as you say, and it takes on a life of its own and you're not, kind of in control of it anymore so much so it's um it's it's a big moment uh, yeah absolutely you know, it's, it's quite funny because I was <laughs> at uni um and I remember when I'd left uni and was moved I moved back to, to my parents for a little while I said to myself I'm gonna I'm gonna move home I'm gonna like try and ignore all these thoughts and I'm gonna like you know be more straight I'm gonna find a girlfriend and settle down and you know <laughs> within a few months it's gone like complete opposite direction so it's funny how these things these things work out um yeah but you know since 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 that time since um you know since coming out my, my life has, has changed a huge amount and improved a hell of a lot so yeah yeah 
No, it's um, yeah. I feel quite. Uh, I I don't have that many gay friends. Um, men because of where I live maybe I don't really know I mean we're in chap you know it's um there's not <laughs> there's not a huge amount goes on here generally and so the diversity is minimal um you're either a farmer or a farmer so <laughs> it's kind of, and not to say that there are gay people in the farming community but um you know they're not ones for talking generally um so yeah it's um and, and you know my, my life is varied but I, I don't have a lot of gay friends and um you know we just live our lives here and I, I, I sometimes forget you know that I am um which maybe sounds a bit silly but um it's um yeah it feels really nice to kind of share that kind of coming out story with you so yeah so thank you for me yeah yeah, um, I I think I'll talk on the podcast at some point about my coming out stories. It's kind of it's got some echoes of, of yours there, um, but there was definitely that sense of I need to be a version of me that will be acceptable to other people, and how that spreads through the rest of your life. You know, it's it's not just about who you're sleeping with. It's it's how you present yourself in the world and kind of your view of, of who you are deep inside and that there's something not okay about that um so yeah yeah absolutely it's, yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's a huge part of you really isn't it it's um you know even even though like you say you, you go about your daily life and you can kind of you know almost forget about it a little bit it's a little bit, a little bit harder to forget about it in brighton but um you know you, you can when you're kind of you're doing your job and you're doing you know your kind of normal things it's just you know just just normal life in the end isn't it yeah yeah and i i'm wondering and I'm, I'm sure you'll tell us about it a bit more now um but how that experience of coming out about your sexuality um maybe prepared you for coming out um you know with hiv i i, I wonder about that so um but um I'll, I'll i'll let you tell us about that and stop stop the talking um i guess it's a luxury of doing the pod that i'm not actually in therapist mode so i get to talk a bit more but um yeah it's it's, it's your story so i'll let you share it over to you so tell us about um yeah i guess the coming out and then and then the hiv a year later Perfect. Cheers, Martin. So yeah, so yeah, like I said, I came out at the age of 20, um, 24, and I yeah was was living in the in the lead district at that point. Um, and once I'd come out, I kind of um had like a you know lesbian friend at the pub that I worked at. We visited Brighton, um, went on holiday together for like a week. Basically, fell in love with it. I just had such a a great week, such a fun time. Um, you know, started exploring my sexuality a bit, um, and I say a bit, quite a lot, um, and just kind of really starting to almost find myself and find my own feet, my own rhythm. Um, you know, I kind of gone from being this you know this positive person that was quite shy and, and and nervous, and then all of a sudden, sort of the weight lifted from my shoulders when I came out was this just massive relief, and I started to be a bit more confident and. Um, yeah, it just life started to kind of speed up and just get a lot, a lot more interesting, a lot more fun, and just felt a lot more me, really. Um, so yeah, so I was you know exploring Brighton, having fun, um, and then <clears throat> came back after the holiday, um, and me and my friend decided that you know Brighton was the place to move to. 
So um, although she kind of moved a couple of months before I did, I eventually moved to Brighton in October in 2011. So I, I turned to 20, 25 by that point. Um, and yeah, I, I moved to Brighton. I think I, think I was around the 1st of October, actually. So right at the very start of the month. Um, got a job, you know, I was starting to, to make new friends down here and kind of enjoy, enjoy the life. Um, and <clears throat> not too long into kind of me moving into Brighton. So I think it was probably like maybe three, three and a half weeks in. I came down with probably what felt like a, like a cold or maybe like flu kind of thing. It had all kind of similar symptoms. Um, and that's exactly what I thought it was. Um, didn't really think too much about it. You know, I, I, was, off, I was off work, you know, sick at that point. Um, only for like a week. Um, and so towards the end of that week, I ended up with a big like rash down my arm. And to be honest, me personally, I was kind of like, well, it's, it's probably nothing. I'm just going to leave it. But then I had a, a conversation with my mom on the phone um, and she was like, just, just, just get yourself to the doctor and just, just get it checked and just make sure. And so I did. I went to like the, like the, like the walking station because I, I was so new to Brian, I hadn't registered with a GP or anything. So I went to like the, the walking health centre to wait for a few hours to get an appointment um again you know feeling better because like the, the cold decided to lift a bit and um you know I wasn't nervous it was just a kind of a normal appointment so I went into the <clears throat> yeah to see the doctor and she you know, asked me a few questions did a few like um you know like tests and things like that um and she she was like Do you know I think I think this might be meningitis and obviously, we, we all know what meningitis is and the kind of seriousness or how serious it can be. So that's when I was kind of starting to get a bit nervous. And she was like, I'm just going to rush you straight into hospital. Um, so I got a taxi straight to, to A&E. I got admitted for like the you know, part of the afternoon and the evening. They did loads of tests on me, took plenty of blood and, and did all, you know, just the kind of the, the main checks for meningitis, I suppose, and, and a few other things. Um, and towards getting discharged, they, you know, explained that it's not meningitis. Um, they weren't sure exactly what it was. Um, so got discharged, got sent home, and said that they said, you know, come back to me with my test results if there's anything to, to <laughs> anything of note. Um, and I think it was about maybe about a week later when <clears throat> I got, I think I got a letter and a phone call asking me to go back to the hospital to get my results. And it was it was quite a weird one because the clinic was called something like the um, either the Tropical Diseases Clinic or the Infectious Diseases Clinic. I'm not sure which one it was. So I was, when I kind of heard that and saw that in the letter, I was kind of like, oh, what, like, what is this? What is what is going on? Um, so that was kind of when you know, the, the nerves were starting to pick up a little bit. But I still I was kind of, you know, I was trying to be upbeat. I was still, you know, trying to enjoy my new life in Brighton as a gay man. Um, so I jumped on the bus, went to the hospital. Um, waited around for a little bit to get to for the appointment, um, and then got called in. Um, and there was yeah, there was like a doctor and a student doctor in there. Um, at the time, it's like a university hospital, so there's obviously kind of you know, um, you know, all sorts of teaching and learning going on. Um, and then sat sat me down, kind of asked me a few questions, and weirdly, because I don't remember a huge amount about what he was saying at this point. Um, but everything after this next question, I kind of started to remember quite clearly. He, the question was, have you ever been tested for HIV before? 
And my response, genuine response was, was no, I didn't think about it. Like I didn't think I'd need to, or I didn't necessarily think I'd done anything to need to, to have that test. But um, yeah, he then explained to me that one of the, the tests that we've done um, when you were, in, you were in hospital the other week was, um, was a HIV test um, and the, the result would come back positive. Um, and, you know, I remember all these words. I remember like what the room was like. It was, <laughs> it was quite a traumatic experience to hear that because personally kind of my education at that point around HIV was, was severely lacking. I remember, um, I remember, I don't know why, I don't know if we've seen this in school or I don't know if I've just, just seen it, you know, somewhere on TV, but I remember like the, the, the Tombstone advert from like the 80s um, when the government kind of launched the, the whole like advertising campaign around, around AIDS and there was the advert with, you know, the word AIDS being chiseled into a tombstone and the, you know, the tombstone falling over. Um, and that was just kind of like flashing through my head and I was, I was, it, it was just a horrible experience. I was thinking, you know, this is this is it. Like, this is me dying, basically. And that's the kind of, that's all I knew about it. I didn't know anything else. That was literally all I could think of at that time. Um, <clears throat> and then, yeah, I started to get very upset at that point as kind of things started to sink in. I was like, what, what, once the kind of shock had like lifted slightly, um yeah the, the tears came and so one of the, the hospital's liaison officers so that they have specific um like hiv liaison officers kind of came over to the the room as i kind of like sat there waiting and um blubbering away um yeah he came over and, and sort of took me over to the um so in brighton in the hospital there's a specialist hiv unit here um it's one of the kind of the largest care centres in the UK outside of, outside of London. Um, so yeah, so he came and took me over to the yeah to the clinic and sat, sat me down. I think I was probably in, in with him for like an hour or so. He, as he was kind of explaining everything to me and talking me through, you know, what the diagnosis meant. Um, I mean, it was it, it was great and he was he was amazing, but nothing was going in really. Not not none of these words were sinking in because I was like. My God, I've just been I've just been diagnosed with HIV. I'm gonna die. That was all like that was all that was going through my head. Um so yeah, so you know, after an hour of of, of, of sort of talking and I don't remember sort of if I was getting questions or I don't remember. I think I was just trying to take everything in at that point. Um yeah, and then it kind of came to an end and it was like right now, you know, they kind of explained that there's you know different you know, charities around that can help and there's lots of support, um, you know, available, but it was kind of a little bit like right now, you kind of, your, your appointment's over, it's time to go. Um, so it kind of wasn't, maybe wasn't quite quite as harsh as that, but, um, you know, so I left the hospital and, you know, I, I, it was almost like I'd gone into hospital, a completely different person. And I'd come out in just this this horrible state of mind and shock and panic and you know everything negative that you can almost think of um and i, and I sat literally it's, it's quite funny actually because I, I i moved i moved flats a few times right and now i live basically like a minute away from the, the clinic oh, yeah. and which is which is very useful um but i remember i just went out and found like a wall just across the road to sit on and kind of like hid myself away a little bit and yeah, I called my, my boyfriend at the time to, to tell him what happened. And, you know, <laughs> I was trying to talk through all these tears and um, it was it was challenging. Um, 
and yeah and then I, then you know once I kind of told him he'd, he'd, he'd lived in London at the time um, and had just been visiting me and was just heading back back up to London so he made the decision to come back down and then I went and I, I think I, I texted my friend it was the same friend that had moved to Brighton with me from, from the lakes yeah. um so she's one of my kind of yeah longest friends really um and I went <clears throat> I said that I needed to, to meet her and talk to her and um, so we met in, in the city centre and I yeah explained, explained the situation I've just been been diagnosed with, with HIV and I think I kind of just broke down to her at that point um and then and then made the the best decision in the world which was to, to go to the pub and have a few drinks <laughs> which, which actually to be honest at that point was probably one of the the, the, the best things I could have done just to kind of get it out of my head for just a, you know a few hours just to kind of forget about it as much as you can but you know I tried to forget about it but it was it was you know it was such a big thing that it was just sitting there in my head like I was trying to kind of have these conversations and trying to you know have a good time as much as I could but there was just this burning thing in my head that was like you're going to die like like that's it that's you know end of your life start start, start planning your funeral really it was um yeah it was, it was massive and you know thankfully you know I had I had friends that I, that I did around that time who were just absolutely amazing and super supportive um and yeah just kind of you know helped me as much as they could to get through you know to get through what was going on so it was it was a massive yeah a massive shock to to the system and my mental health was I don't, I don't know how to describe it. it was it was in just such a, an awful place and you know the, the times I was kind of because um, I wasn't living with my boyfriend at the time he, he was living in London um but at times I kind of found myself you know by myself was was some of the hardest because you start you know stop the thoughts start coming in you start kind of ruminating and you know, again, just coming back to this, I'm going to die. Like this is this is it. You know, um, fortunately, you know, when you kind of get um, a new diagnosis, you have you know a number of different appointments you need to go to to get your bloods checked. Um, and in fact, they did actually take some more bloods on that when I got diagnosed as well. So not only was I <laughs> upset and crying, they were trying to take blood from me as well. So, um, yeah, just to check check the check the numbers and things like that. Um, and yeah, you have a few appointments over in, in the coming weeks, and you know, again, as you kind of start to, as things start to sink in, you start to kind of learn more from the doctors and understand more. It doesn't necessarily at that time, it didn't necessarily at that time take away the impact of of the diagnosis and, and what I've just been told. Um, but you know, more and more information was starting to come in, but my mental health just didn't really improve for a little while even though I was kind of starting to understand a little bit more but there was this one time I um it was in the evening I think I was quite in quite a horrible place and I just kind of found myself on the, on the beach down here in Brighton and just kind of sitting sitting there for, for quite a long time in my head I was like you know there's no point in me carrying on and um, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna throw myself in the sea and I'll be I'll be done with it and that was kind of just like this this laser focus was just just on that moment of, of trying to end end everything really because it was just just an awful time um unfortunately there was there was a woman i remember who was walking along the beach at the time you know it's quite a big city it's quite busy and you're always kind of around people and she kind of she must have seen the state i was in and, and just kind of you know tapped me on the shoulder and asked if i was all right and 
Um, I did. I wasn't honest with her. I just said, "Yeah, I'm fine." But that kind of that that tiny gesture of just checking, yeah. just 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 stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, "Actually, this is this isn't the right thing to do. I need to I need to go and deal with this and um, and 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 just just get through it because I need to. And whether I'm going to die or not, this is this is just what I need to need to carry on as much as I can. Um, thankfully, I did. Um, and then that's you know when when the kind my journey really started and I you know I started speaking to doctors more and kind of asking them more questions. They gave me like a huge bag of like leaflets and books and things to read, um, all about you know about about the treatment about um, you know about about HIV itself, about kind of what it does, what it means. Um, you know about the support that you can get, and, and honestly, there was there was a bag like this. It was yeah, it was a, a good a good size, almost like a bin bag, but not quite that big. But it felt like that at the time. There was a lot to read through, um, but I just found myself sitting there looking through these these leaflets and these books, and just trying to really take everything in and understand, but also kind of giving myself time as well to know that it's not you know it wasn't going to be an instant thing. I wasn't going to be like all of a sudden, oh, this is fine, like. Life's back to normal. It, it took it took a long time to to kind of get through that, but yeah. But with with reading and learning and talking to people, things started to kind of change around. Um, and I actually um, a friend of my ex, um, he's positive as well. Um, and I, I didn't know this at the time, but eventually I found out. So I spent some time with him, and so I talked to him about you know his experiences and kind of you know he'd been been diagnosed a while before I was. And, you know, he's absolutely fine. And so talking to him kind of really reassured me um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's not the end. And, you know, eventually got to learn that, you know, you can you can live a, a full kind of normal length of life, um, you know, living with HIV. And it's it's such a, a manageable condition. Um, it's such, I say, it's such a small part of my life. I mean, it's like small as in, you know, right now, all I do is take one pill a day um, with dinner and I see the doctor, well, I see the doctor for blood tests uh, every six months. And then I have like a, like a, like a doctor's appointment um, with my HIV doctor once a year. And that's, and that's really it. Um, but the kind of, I guess the bigger part for me is that, you know, I, I do volunteer with a local charity, um, a local HIV support charity. Um, and, I, you know, I, I talk talk about HIV quite a lot online as well and um, you know I have conversations with friends as much as I can get it in um, about HIV and about living with it and about you know how um, you know how it's not what people think it is and how you know it's such a it's such a, a minor condition you know it's almost you know people kind of say <clears throat> people kind of used to compare it to diabetes but you know, sort of since a lot of the kind of developments recently, people are saying actually, you know, living with diabetes is is, is harder than living with HIV. So, um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the kind of that's the story, um, the kind of initial part of it. Um, you know, there's a whole, you know, that kind of took place over, you know, what sort of eight, eight, ten, twelve months. Um, but you know, the next the next few years was just kind of living with it and kind of getting on with life and you know trying to enjoy it as much as possible um you know I think I was quite lucky to have been with someone at the time because I didn't have that whole challenge of then having to tell you know 
sexual partners or anything about my HIV status because you know I wasn't definitely wasn't comfortable about doing that at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the the initial part of it. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing all of that and uh, you know some really difficult parts that <clears throat> that you described. Then I've I've got a few questions about that. Um, I guess I'll I'll just ask the questions as they're in my mind. Like the the first one is what you mentioned there about your boyfriend at the time. So how? Um, if, if it's okay, um, was did that have an impact on your relationship? And I guess I'm talking in all ways, really, you know, sexually, um, kind of how you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming he would have had to support you through some of what you were experiencing in the mental health reaction that you, you had. So, yeah, just wondering about how it impacted your relationship. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't... In, in, from a kind of in, in, you know, an emotional side of things, it was it, it was generally okay. You know, he supported me and you know looked after me when I when I needed it. Um, I guess I guess the kind of biggest impact probably was for me was was sexually. Um, I, <laughs> I you know I froze up. I didn't I didn't want to have sex. I didn't. It was like the last thing on my mind. And it's probably when I'm on for a good six eight you know maybe, maybe longer, um, six to eight months maybe longer. Yeah. Um, I just, I think, I think one of the biggest things for me was that I, I hate using these words, but I felt like I felt unclean. I felt like contagious. And I, you know, I remember there was even um, when I, when I eventually came back up, um, back up north to tell my parents, my mum tried to hug me, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her come anywhere near me, near me, because I thought that somehow just by hugging me, she'd, she'd get HIV from me. I thought that, you know, my, my self-stigma was so, you know, intense at that point that I literally thought that, you know, all those kind of stigmatizing views, you know, I had about myself. Um, obviously, you know, you can't get HIV by hugging someone. Um, so it would be fine, but it was just that, that feeling I had of myself. So, yeah, the, the, the kind of the thought, of, you know, being anywhere near sexual with my, my partner at the time was just, uh, you know, absolute no goes on, really. Yeah, and, and 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 you know, it sounds like you you didn't have any kind of level of experience or education prior to needing to have it because of your own diagnosis, and so just uh, it's like having to integrate a, to a totally different version of you into your life, into your relationships, and this you know i'm i'm kind of I'm, i've got kind of an angry response about some of the stigma that and the shame that you just already took on from yeah. you know that terrible advert um <laughs> and you know I, I you know i remember some of the the cultural stuff in in the kind of mid i mean our yeah mid 80s kind of early 90s um and you know we've, we've had lots of films and stuff that that kind of are telling that that's the story of that time and the fear that was put into people that, that you were holding about yourself and how hard that must have been to figure your way through that yeah I mean it's yeah it was from what I kind of remember it was yeah it was, it was horrible um you're totally right you know I, I did have a massive fear of myself but you know for, for passing it on to anyone or you know for whatever reason, for 
however reason I could do that, I was just super scared of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think as you kind of, or as I kind of learned more and more, you know, I learned, I learned how HIV can be passed on. Um, and that kind of, you know, eventually, I eventually took that aim and kind of understood that, you know, there's, there's no way that I can hug someone and pass it on like that. So I think, I think just, just with time, really, it kind of, things started to, to improve and I started to understand more and more as I was speaking to people and, you know, I probably asked the doctor some, some quite silly questions, but, you know, that's, that's all right because I knew nothing else. Um, but, it, you know, kind of talking about the education side of things you know I didn't I didn't know any better and I, I didn't really know much about like sexual health full stop um and you know from sort of coming out what sort of eight months before being diagnosed you know I hadn't I hadn't slept with that many guys um and I'd, I'd only slept with one guy um uh without a condom at that point so you know I kind of I, I know exactly who it was so it where it where it happened when it happened you know that I don't even, and people you know a lot of the the kind of comments I've had is like oh you must be you know you must be sleeping around with so many people to to get it but you know it's it's not the case I, I slept with one person with that condom and, that, and that's that's as easy as it can be sometimes and that you know the, the, again all of the assumptions based on how um HIV was portrayed to people on a cultural level um you know it, it, it's just so important that there's diversity within the gay community diversity within the HIV community to be able to say you know this you can't narrow it down to one type of experience that's that's not the case you, you've just come out you know at 24 you just started living this life and my goodness like to be considering that you know seriously within yourself in those first that first period after diagnosis that your life was about to end you know mm. seriously believe in that and from one one time one you know well I don't know how long you know but you know a few minutes whatever like yeah. it's kind of that that would be so pivotal in you know representing kind of what was the beginning and then maybe the beginning of the end in terms of how you felt just I can't imagine how that that would have felt no wonder you had a mental health decline yeah after yeah. the diagnosis um yeah, it was, it was challenging, but, you know, as, as time's, time's gone by and I've kind of learned more and more, you know, people, people have asked me in the past, you know, are you angry at the person that gave it to you? And, you know, I think, I think I was for a time. I think, you know, I did have resentment about it, but actually, do you know what? I'm, I don't, I don't hold any, any, any grudge anymore. I don't, you know, I, I don't really feel much about it. It's, there's just so much, you know, miseducation and stigma out there that, that people, you know, it's one of the biggest um, one of the biggest barriers to testing is is people you know being being scared of getting a diagnosis, being scared of stigma. You know, it's yeah, it's it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. Almost if you can raise the awareness and and therefore try well work on reducing the stigma. Indeed, it might mean that more people uh, become you know aware and therefore careful and 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 actually do get tested and yeah. Um, 
you know, something that's just come up, and I'm sure it won't be any surprise to you, but the way that we're talking, it's really reminded me of the pandemic, um, the COVID pandemic, about all of the um, lack of knowledge, the fear, the the isolation, the mental health stuff, the the being careful, the testing. I mean, how... Yeah, <laughs> did that have any resonance for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, not not a huge amount. I think you know, I've spoken to people, so, so through through volunteering and just kind of speaking to people in general online and you know in person. And, you know, a lot of people that were kind of you know alive during you know the, the crisis in the eighties, nineties, um, you know, really kind of felt that the whole COVID era um, was you know kind of reminiscent of of, of of the of the AIDS crisis as well you know there was just just no information there was there was you know in some cases you know quite a big ignorance towards it um yeah so I know, I know for a lot of people I've spoken to that were yeah that were alive during that time um yeah did, did kind of have those those connections between between COVID and, and HIV yeah yeah, I can um, almost, uh, you know, sometimes when something happens that reminds you of something in the past and it can really bring it back to the surface in terms of the emotions and um, I guess your your diagnosis was much more a personal thing rather than, um, so, 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 you know, a, a pandemic, a, a, well, epidemic, is that the right? Yeah, epidemic. Is that yes, right? yeah. Uh, pandemic for COVID, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, a spreading of a <laughs> of a disease. Um, yeah, but your, you know, yours was very much um, part of your own personal kind of experience. So I guess you know, COVID might not seem the same. But yeah, just 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 so many similarities with um, the management of it, I suppose, and yeah. potential impact. You know, the life threatening nature of it, whether realistic or not, but definitely for some. Um, yeah. So, yeah, okay. Um, and then I also wanted to ask you maybe just to expand a little more on that time leading up to when you were on the beach. And often my work with clients and, and kind of talking to anybody else about the, um, the, the idea of suicide coming over somebody, whether it's just you know, there's a, re a real plan to do it or whether it's more just the ideation and that this could be a different, you know, a way out, if you like. Um, what I often find with people is it's it's usually about trying to escape something unbearable and that this is a way to escape that. And um, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind expanding a little bit on what was so unbearable for you during you know the time leading up to to that that time and on the beach yeah I, I think it's I mean it's hard it's hard to kind of remember a lot of it um <laughs> I think I've probably pushed quite a lot of it out but I mean from what I do remember it was you know it was it, I think it was just that it was just an absolute fear of you know this this is the end of my life and I don't want to you know, because I because I, I knew a little bit about you know, the the effects that the HIV you know had on people when there when there wasn't treatment when there wasn't um, you know treatment like we have now for it, and I, I didn't I didn't want to kind of you know go down that same path. I, I wanted to to kind of you know end it while I was healthy. I suppose that was that was kind of part of it. I didn't want to kind of you know become sick, um, 
you know, like like I'd seen people um, that that had been, um, and, I, and I think just again that that uh, I, I'm going to use the words I don't like using, but just feeling like dirty and contagious. I just it was just such a an overwhelming feeling that it was like it was something I couldn't control. I just couldn't I couldn't deal with it, and and yeah, it was just it was a it was a potential potential way out, a potential way to to you know end things on, on on my own terms when I was when I was healthy feeling healthy yeah yeah you could kind of have a sense of control over your life even if that means that it it ends you know um and not not maybe giving you know the disease the the, the upper hand on your life that you get to decide um, yeah I think that's it I think you know I felt like I was out of control. I didn't have any control over the virus, and control over the treatment. I didn't have any control over what I was being told or what I was learning. It was that was yeah my only kind of thing that I could control. I suppose in, in that in that in that time in that you know, in that moment that kind of fairly short moment when I was feeling you know that that kind of um, you know serious about things. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that because it's um, again, it's not something that people talk about. There's a lot of stigma and yeah. a need to raise awareness around why suicidal ideation or even you know the act of it is is there, and it's far from a selfish act. It's far from a cowardly act. You know, it's um, and 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 you know, similarly with coming out as gay as 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 any other choice that sorry, not choice, any other um need to describe how you are whatever that might be um you know it's it's not a choice it's something that you're having to deal with and um people you know can if, if they can offer some compassion it can save lives you know yeah. and that, that's exactly what happened for you you know she didn't know the detail but she knew you were struggling and it sometimes just takes that care of another that genuine care to lift somebody up out of the depth of the struggle to be able to realize that their life is worthwhile you know yeah yeah absolutely you know it's interesting kind of talking about, about stigma there because you know just like there's a huge amount of stigma around hiv you know mental health and suicide has you know just as much if, if not more stigma around it it's um yeah it, it's all kind of and, and you know likewise you know a hiv diagnosis really affects people's mental health as well so it's you know, it's, it was kind of stigma on top of stigma on top of stigma, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and I really feel when when you say about the the being dirty, you know, that's gonna feeling dirty. It, it, it's gonna make it hard to reach out in your more vulnerable moments, you know. And um, and it's you know, obviously, it's not the case. But without that education personally for those going through it but actually in the wider community you know we need that connection and that support which you said your friends were a key part of you being able to move through this um in, you know in the way that you have and um well it's a big part of why I do what I do with this podcast you know trying to help people understand more about what goes on behind closed doors behind smiles that aren't real and all of yeah. this um so yes thank thank you so much for for, for talking about that um and i I'm will so. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Um, and I will share links in the show notes to organisations that can support with with all of the things that we've talked about tonight. So um, tonight or whenever you're listening to it, listener. <laughs> um, OK, um, I think we'll take a little break there, if that's OK, Matt, just to um, give us a chance to, to freshen up and, um, and we'll come back in a moment, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Hey everybody, just a short break from Matt's episode to let you know about a new event that I've just launched. I'm going to be welcoming you and hopefully some of your friends to a yoga and walking weekend in the lovely village of Shap, where we live. We ran this event in September and it was a huge success bringing lots of different people together, some old friends and some new ones made over a yoga class each day, also involving aerial yoga, which is an amazing way to connect with yourself and those around you, and a long walk on the Saturday somewhere nearby, um, taking in some gorgeous views and really getting to experience nature at its best. We will also have a dinner together on the Saturday night as well as packed lunches and breakfasts all taken care of within the price. It's £250 per person with the option to extend your stay either on the Friday night and or the Sunday night and if you're interested in finding out more then please visit my website martinblacklock.com and you'll find all the information that you need there and of course you can message me if you've got any questions There's already been a few people signed up, some really fab people who were a great asset to the group last time. And I know that they and I are really looking forward to welcoming you if that's your kind of thing. So let's go back to the show and listen to the rest of Matt's story. Okay, so welcome back to part two of our episode with Matt here, who has been talking about his experience with HIV, uh, with his HIV diagnosis. Um, Matt has talked us through coming out at 24, going to live his life down in Brighton and explore sexuality and and this part of who he is. And and, uh, quite quickly upon moving to Brighton was diagnosed with HIV and went through a really difficult time with trying to understand the impact of the diagnosis on on Matt's life and you know some really really difficult times there which um, just before the end of part one we'd gotten to about a year after diagnosis and at that point Matt you were you were talking about how you had the information you were kind of building connections with with um, people around you where you could see that actually life will be worth living um so could you tell us you know once this diagnosis had started to become a bit more integrated into your life how things went for you from then on yeah sure so yeah I suppose kind of like you know year year and a half you know after the initial diagnosis and I'd spent you know many months just reading and learning um, and understanding and speaking to you know the doctors about it um 
Yeah, that is when things started to kind of turn around again. It, you know, it took it took a long time, and that's not to say that I didn't, you know, have good times during the time when I was kind of learning and trying to, you know, trying to sort of start living a life with HIV. Um, but you know, things really did start to turn around after that kind of year, year and a half mark. Um, you know, just just getting back to kind of living normally, so to speak. You know, um, and 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 kind of. It, it had a massive impact on me. It had such a profound effect on my life. Um, not not just in terms of, you know, I need to start thinking about how I manage my health better, but, you know, I'd learned so much about, you know, about HIV and how how, I, how it gets managed. Um, but also, like, my sexual health as well. I, I'd learned in that time so much about my sexual health as well, which is something that I'd never... You know, I'd never understood before. So, um, you know, it's, it was the you know, understanding of you know, going for the regular testing and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, life was kind of yeah, it was it was good. You know, I was getting back to enjoying it and meeting new people and getting stuck in, into work and you know just enjoying finally after a, you know a slight hiatus, if you want to call it that. Um, just starting to really enjoy my life being out and in Brighton and. You know, just just becoming myself again because it kind of it was almost like I'd, that had started to happen, you know, in 2011, until everything kind of stopped at the end of the year. Um, but then it, you know, everything was kind of starting to pick back up again, and you know, I was starting to be happy. I think is <laughs> probably why it's um, yeah, happy, happy again. Um, is how I'd explain it after all those kind of you know, the dark times and the challenges. Um, and so, so at that time, um, the, like the, the, the NHS advice in terms of starting treatment was that you wouldn't start treatment until, so, so H, HIV, there's kind of two main like um, tests that they do. Um, one is the viral load, so the amount of virus in the, in the blood. And then the second one is um, CD4 count, which is a count of the, of the T helper cells um, in the immune system. So how, like how many are there? So basically what, what HIV does, it kind of, you know, gets into the system and it you know, affects, infects the, um, you know, the, the immune system and obviously uh, duplicates the virus and, you know, creates more copies of it. And it latches onto, onto these CD4 cells um, to help it spread around. It's quite, quite a clever thing, really, when you start learning. It's, quite, it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, so, so basically that's the kind of two levels of it that were monitored quite regularly. And basically at that time, they wouldn't start giving someone medication until their CD4 count started to, to drop. Um, so I think kind of said normal levels are around sort of 500 to 1,000 in kind of most people. Um, and, and the government's advice was when your CD4 count started to get below 350 or was kind of heading in that direction is when they'd start looking at treatment. So for me, this was about three years after diagnosis. So I was, I was without any treatment for three years, okay. just kind of regular tests and just keeping an eye on things. Um, and yeah, that's kind of when my, my CD4 count started to, to, to slowly decline. Um, you know, there wasn't any any health effects. Um, I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't, you know, struggling with anything. It was it was you know very much kind of um, just just doing its thing inside my body that I didn't didn't notice. Um, so yeah, about about three years ish um, down the line was when I started treatment, um, and I started on um, 
again, just, just one pill a day. Um, it was a pill called a tripler. Um, and, you know, I, I, remember, I remember the night that I first died taking it and, you know, I'd read like free the full instruction leaflet and I'd had it like, had all the, like the emergency hospital <coughs> and because there was um, like a specific ward on the hospital where you could call out of hours that was, um, you know, support if you, you know, had a reaction or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I took it that first night, and that was kind of that's you know where where my treatment journey started. Um, so many journeys like <laughs> build up into this one big journey. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's when I when I started my treatment. Unfortunately, um, the triple is a bit of an older an older drug, so generally there's a few more side effects. Um, you know, are, are common with it. So I did have quite a few bad side effects from from a tripler and. Um, you know, it, did, it did make me feel quite ill for you know sort of the the, the initial few weeks of taking it, um, and I think again it was an, another challenging part of life because it was almost like you know I'd kind of started to get used to to life of living with HIV and you know things were you know normal so to speak, um, and then all of a sudden it was like oh actually you do still have HIV and now you're taking treatment and now you're getting ill from it. So that you know had another kind of a bit of an impact, and unfortunately yeah. didn't last for too long. But um, you know it was it was um, there was really strange side effects, and some of them were like this is quite sleep related. So yeah. you'd end up having quite weird, vivid dreams. Or for me, I was kind of I don't think I was quite hallucinating, but I remember just seeing things which. I don't think we're there. Um, so, so one of the things I was told is that when, so when you get when you get you know infected with HIV, when you contract HIV, um, one of the first place places that it kind of starts to develop is in the brain. Um, and likewise with the treatment, that's kind of how the treatment works as well. Is one of the first places it goes to is is the brain. So a lot of the kind of side effects are quite, um, yeah, quite quite you know mental. Um, you know, from from the brain kind of side of things. So I was, you know, I was having these strange dreams and kind of, you know, I, I remember one point I, I walked to the shop to get something, and I was stood outside the shop just around the corner, and was like, I'm seeing things like this isn't this isn't right. Um, and that's you know that fortunately that's when I decided to call the doctor and was like, you know, I'm having really bad side effects. Um, you know, and I was quite I was feeling. <laughs> very rough at that point and um, so like, you know, something needs to be done unfortunately there's, there's so many you know different types of treatment um for hiv that you know they can, they can change you and swap your medication you try not to do it too much only if you kind of having you know severe reactions or if um you know if the treatment's not working for example um so fortunately you know, I think maybe about six months down the line ish after starting a trip, I, I swapped my meds um, and changed to a new one called Stribald, which I've had absolutely no side effects from. It's been amazing. Again, it's just just one a day. I've got to take it with food, but um, <coughs> been on that ever since 2014 now, and um, yeah, had absolutely no issues with it. So, so the treatments, you know, super easy. Um, and you know, once I kind of got through that, you know, period of not, not feeling too great with the meds. Um, again, life started, you know, started going again, started moving, and you know, the, it was just just normal life. I I ended up splitting up with my you know my ex at the time, uh, or my boyfriend at the time, um, and you know, I started meeting people, and uh, you know, I met someone else, and you know, one of the 
first kind of conversations we had was was I kind of you know I got the confidence to say I've got HIV and that was kind of one of the yeah the sort of first conversations when we started speaking of it was was me explaining about that um and you know it, it, it took it took a long time I remember being like kind of sitting there with my phone thinking like you know typing and then deleting it and then like uh-huh. yeah it was it was difficult to kind of get those you know the words out um but eventually I did and I was like I've just just got to do it you know I've got, I've got to tell tell this person um you know the reaction was was great actually it was um you know t- to my surprise it was absolutely fine it was like you know that doesn't doesn't bother me it doesn't affect anything so I was kind of like yeah perfect um yeah and that was kind of one of the, the more positive you know experiences that I've had um you know, with HIV and you know don't get me wrong there's been some you know negative reactions and things and you know not everyone's not everyone's the same people don't understand it I've had people stop talking to me I've had people just, you know say certain things you know use certain words again the dirty clean thing um which, which is one of my pet hates um it's just it's just such an awful thing you, you know even if it's around sexual health just because someone might not have the best sexual health at that time doesn't mean they're dirty or they're clean it's just such a horrible stigmatizing disgusting way to describe people to describe a human and the human um <laughs> anyway so yeah so that kind of so i met my, my new boyfriend at that time so this was 2015 i feel like i'm telling my whole life story <laughs> um, and then yeah so we were you know, together for just under five years um and we we kind of came into covid and you know he ended up the, the relationship ended up breaking down um sort of after the first lockdown I think it was which was sort of July time 2020 um and yeah the, the relationship broke down and he left um and you know I found myself in another sort of challenge, challenging headspace at that time um it, it kind of almost similar to um you know being diagnosed again I was just in a, in a very challenging headspace and unfortunately that kind of had a knock-on effect with my you know my adherence to my meds as well I didn't take meds for about a week um just because because just I wasn't in in that place just I wasn't thinking about it um fortunately again again the treatment's so good now that you know I didn't take it for a week I had my tests and everything was absolutely fine and, and the nurse was like you know there's nothing that you know everything's fine the, the, the results are perfect start taking them again and just don't stop <laughs> Um, okay. was the advice basically so so yeah so that kind of you know had an impact on me um and then you know I, I'd never this, this whole time I, I'd had it I'd never really kind of talked a huge amount about it um you know friends occasionally not here and there but nothing kind of nothing major um I used to you know when I, when I if I was going out I'd take my pill with me but I'd always kind of take it in secret um kind of you know try and try and hide it or like you know go go outside and take it or wherever it is um wherever it was but um yeah things kind of changed in 2020 with with sort of following the end of the relationship and on the 1st of December 2020 I kind of decided like I really want to do something I, I want to do something with you know my status and my kind of my feelings around it um and, and give something back to a you know community that's, that's given actually given me a lot of love and support 
Um, so I, I recorded my, my first video, um, nervous as anything. And I, had, I think I had like a little script that I was kind of half reading from um, and just, just made like a, an eight minute long video talking about, yeah, my story. Um, and, you know, talking about a little, little bit about living with HIV. Um, I posted that on like my Facebook and like Instagram, and Instagram at the time. And I think put on YouTube as well. And like, so first of December is a significant day because that's World AIDS Day. Um, and I wanted to kind of do something for World AIDS Day. This is, you know, it, it meant a lot to me. And, you know, here in Brighton, every World AIDS Day, we have like um, a candlelit vigil where, you know, people come together and, and there's like an, an AIDS memorial statue. Um, and people come together, they read out the names of the who that's lost, lost their lives to, you know, to HIV and AIDS, um, which is, you know, and I've gone to that for, for years and years and years. Um, and yeah, I kind of, I wanted to just do something to kind of, you know, mark the occasion and, and, and give something back. So I yeah, recorded this video um, and to my surprise, you know, it kind of got picked up by so many different people and there was, you know, people leaving comments on it. Like, I never done anything like this before. I never shared anything like this before in, in any kind of public way. But, you know, there's people, all these people that I didn't know commenting on it and, you know, sharing their support and their love. And, you know, it was just, it was just a, a really, a really crazy time. You know, that that night when, you know, I was watching the, like, the, the view count go from, like, hundreds to a thousand and then to, like, five thousand. And, you know, for me, having never done anything like that, it was kind of like, what's, what's, what's going on? What's happening? Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of when, you know, I started, I was like, oh, actually, I, I do want to kind of, you know, do more with this. So I, um, you know, I did a few more videos and a few more kind of like posts and things like that. Um, <clears throat> I started working with a local charity called Lunch Positive, which is um, a, I say working volunteering, um, which is a so basically it's like a support charity so they support people living with HIV and people have just been diagnosed um you know giving advice guidance you know all kinds of different different types of support um and then they run weekly lunch clubs for, for people living with HIV or people affected um by HIV in some way um so everyone comes together and um you know has lunch and you know connects and it's just it was I mean, don't get me wrong. I was when I first went, my first like shift, if you want to call it that. Um, I was I was super scared because I'd never really kind of connected with the HIV community in that way before. So it was uh, the nerves were probably just as as high as they were maybe when I got diagnosed. Um, but you know, actually going into that community was just a breath of fresh air. Everyone was just so accepting and, and so lovely and. It, it kind of felt a bit like home um it, it felt amazing and you know I, so I've been volunteering with them ever since since um when did I start I think it was 20 was it 2021 it must have been 2021 when I started with them so kind of mid 2021 once once you know the COVID kind of restrictions have started to lift yes um and yeah I kind of did you know a bit more on social media I was invited to write a few articles for different you know publications and record a few videos here and there with different um you know different publications as well so um yeah so things really kind of changed and kind of it, you know again it's you know just just like HIV changed my life in the fact that I had to kind of learn how to live with something new and kind of this new me 
um, and you know, um, you know, adhering to taking my meds, um, and obviously seeing you know the routine of seeing the doctor and you know, have my blood taken every six months. Um, this was again another another massive change because I just started being public with it and started having so like so many more conversations with you know with friends in the pub or you know just chatting with people and um, it was actually quite interesting. I just dropped this little story in here because it's quite a funny one. I um, so I wrote an article for like a local magazine um, last last year for World Aids Day and um, I remember I remember being in one of the bars. And I was I was by myself. Um, and I was like, I think I'd seen a couple of friends and was just kind of like in between friends at the time. And th- this couple came up to me and they were German. Um, and they were like, we recognize you. And I was and I was kind of like, I've never seen you before in my life. And they're like, no, no, I recognize you. And it was the guy was like, it was a straight couple. Um, and he was like, Yeah, you, you wrote the article in the magazine. And I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, did yeah. And eventually he kind of told me that he was positive and living with HIV and that like it was you know just such a nice thing to see an article like that and you know the the, the magazine was or the issue of the magazine was you know dedicated to well they'd say really so he was kind of just saying how it's you know such a good thing that you know something so visible um so yeah you know it's it's things like that have just kind of been happening and you know my life's just just changed a huge amount and you know it's, it's so it's so amazing to give something back to to really a community that's, that's given me quite a lot of, of support and you know that, that I really appreciate so it's nice to you know give something back and, and maybe you know help some people in the process um and you know it's been another one of those things that's really kind of helped me come to terms with it even more um yes. you know I, I think back to like myself from <coughs> 2013 2014 I would never have been able to kind of speak this openly or publicly about anything, never mind just HIV, but anything, I would never have been able to do it. So it's, again, it's just been such a, a massive change for me and such a, a massive and, and positive impact on my life. That's a bit of a cliche, but um, yeah, it's really positive being positive. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, and it's just been, it's been a whirlwind, actually. It's been a really amazing interesting time for me and yeah I've even done you know a few a few talks at, um at work as well about about this so yeah I think that takes us up to kind of where we are now pretty much yeah well and here you are doing a talk, <laughs> <laughs> talk and, yeah and you know what I'm thinking you know remembering myself in 2011 I was thinking I'm gonna die you know or I'm gonna take my own life because of it thinking that now here I am 11 years later living a great life feeling great um you know I just yeah yeah I don't know what to say (laughs) Uh, well it, it feels really positive to use your words and you know the this um this thing that could have have ended your life has actually been the thing that's made you live it, you know, more than ever. And, um, you know, if these words don't feel right, but it, it almost seems like it has allowed you to grow as a person. And, you know, it's been almost like the making of you. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
things have just just changed so much and improved so much for me. And yeah, I think everything that's happened, you know, has has strengthened me. And you know, I think that's, that's another thing that HIV can really do is really strengthen a person because it's such a you know challenging thing to go through. It can really kind of you know strengthen your character and your just your your being really. Wow. Yeah. I mean that you know it's it's making me think of all kinds of things like I I, I talk a lot about post-traumatic growth and actually those things that that could break us I mean yeah what doesn't kill you makes you stronger okay that's a really simplistic version of it but you know the the skills that you have to develop the um you know the the, the ability to get to know yourself the 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 resilience while struggling the understanding of the need to reach out to others the um authenticity uh that you're required to develop courage um to face really dark aspects of your experience and and who you are um you know these are all amazing skills that, that you've been able to develop as a consequence of, of something that was so frightening and you know so frightening that you'd rather not live in in, in a moment and mm. you know to to <clears throat> okay I um okay this is so funny that I've thought of this do you watch RuPaul's Drag Race I've seen like the first UK season okay no one really <laughs> no, no, the, the, the reason I say that is because there's a, um, a, a, a about three quarters of the way through um, he does this episode episode where episode yeah episode where they um, kind of down to the last five or something like that and um, he asks them if they could go back to the younger selves what they would say to them and I just had a moment where like I, I felt like RuPaul asking you this but uh, <laughs> that's why I mentioned it um and if you could go back to you in 2000 what you know that that on that on the beach that day and you know talk to yourself from where you are now what would what would you say wow um you know that's the first time I've ever been asked that question before um I I think I would just say that you know it's, it's all right to feel like you are now you know don't you know let it kind of pass um breathe I think for one because I probably wasn't breathing at that point um and just just I think I just try and gently I think it's it's difficult right because it, when you're in that kind of that moment it's so hard to take anything in so I'm trying to think how would I kind of what would I say and how would I say this to me that's just everything else is blocked out and, and all I can hear is like my inner monologue if you want to call it that but you know I think I just try and explain that you know it's it's not it's not what you think it is it's it's absolutely not it's such a there's just so many good things ahead that you can't you know you can't you can't stop now you have to keep going and you have to meet everyone you're going to meet and do everything you're going to do and you know do all, all these things that you're going to do and just just put your whole self into it really I think that's that's kind of what I'd say I don't it's a, it's a difficult one that one yeah it's a big question so yeah uh, yeah well done for going for it because <laughs> it's um it's hard because you you were him and you still are him but you're also this version of you now that is on the other side of, of everything that you feared 
And, you know, I, as, as you were considering your response to that question, I was thinking about how maybe some people who might be listening to this will be in their darkest hour and, you know, to be able to consider that that thing that they're so frightened of could indeed be what makes their life really worth living yeah. that they're going to find all of these different uh, facets of who they are and 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 be so at one with that that they're willing even through trembling lips and knees to share <laughs> that stuff you know and 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 know that that in itself that you're going to be so at one with what you fear right now that you're going to be able to speak about it and and inspire others and 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 help comfort them by talking about this thing that you're so frightened of that you know there's there's a lot on the other side of fear mm. I, th- I think that's it i think in those moments when you know you, you don't feel like anything else can come in i think if you can almost just allow space for, for one positive thing to to come into your the mind or your life at that point i think that can you know as small as it can be you know i think that can be a massive um turning point i think if if you can just let one little thing just get through the darkness you know one little ray of light it can it can really change things around yeah you know, I often say to clients, you know, we don't need much of what's good for us to help us survive. We can get through on very little. We just need something. And like you say, even that little shard of light coming through, it can help you see that there's a way out. And, you know, that 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 wonderful person that walked past, you know, probably not knowing the true impact that they'd had, but it reconnected you back to your sense of of worth. And, and you know, you 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 went on and and, and and look this right in the eye and said, right, what we're we gonna do, you know, and, and how we're we gonna deal with this. And it seems like it's been so worth it for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I speak to you know as part of my like social media, um, the things that I do on social media, like I speak to people around the world that have, you know, just been diagnosed or that they're, you know, struggling with their diagnosis. And, you know, as hard as it can be to kind of to almost kind of relive your experience with them a little bit you know the kind of the progress that I've made with looking after my own mental health and understanding my own diagnosis you know gives me that kind of strength um to be able to talk to people about their own and listen to people about their own experiences and their own struggles and hopefully hopefully you know I can maybe try and be that little bit of light to someone if, if they are really struggling you know I, I'm, I'm so grateful for everyone that does and that has, you know, reached out to, to talk about to talk about it because I think it's it's so important to have someone to talk to, you know, to, to not keep it balled up, to actually just just let it out and just say, listen, you know, I'm going through this. This is what I need help with, or I just want you to listen. Yeah, it's it's so so important. And in those times where you're struggling the most, you feel the least like reaching out. And if somebody can be there to to just catch you for a moment, um, you know, help you find that that light again, that <laughs> that little bit of positivity that just gives you enough to to keep you going. Um, it's actually a gift, isn't it? You know, and it's worth it's worth hearing all kinds of difficult stuff just to know that that person is is getting some healing from from you being there and uh, and that yeah that that reconnection back to 
to what you went through. You know, you had a couple of episodes after your initial diagnosis of, of feeling that sense of um, difficulty, if you like, you know, when when you started your treatment and, you know, when your your relationship ended in, in 2020. Um, mm. I did actually just wanted to, 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 to ask you, you know, the... Was there something about kind of the um, the pain of that relationship ending that that helped you almost tune in to the need to be able to talk about the difficulty? Because it sounds like it was quite pivotal in your decision to be more open. Yeah, I think um, you know it, it was a, it was a very dark time, and again, kind of thinking back to it is you know is difficult to kind of get through the clouds, but. I, you know, I, I found myself again in, in, you know, a kind of a, a place where I was having suicidal ideations again. And I, I think it, at points during that time, I kind of reconnected with that person that was sitting on the beach. Um, and I, I think that kind of, you know, brought it all back a little bit in terms of, you know, look how, look how far I've come in, in, in nine, ten years, nine years it was. Um, you know, you, you can't you can't give up now. You've 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 done everything that you could do. So just keep keep going. I think it was just that, yeah, that reconnection with that and that kind of seeing myself on the beach again and feeling same feelings. Um, you know, at that point that that made me kind of we just just connect with that with HIV. And you know, it was a very intense and close relationship. Um so you know it was yeah <laughs> we went through a lot um yeah i just i, I found myself in, in, a, in, a, in a really yeah horrible, horrible space and i'm glad that you know i kind of almost in a way it sounds a little bit weird but like i'm glad that i did connect that time you know in 2020 with the time in 2011 because you know i kind of realized there actually is a you know, reason to continue maybe i didn't understand that at the time I didn't know what the reason was to carry on, but you know, now, now, now I know. Yeah, yeah, and I really appreciate you explaining that, and I'm, I'm glad that I asked the question because, again, I've, when people are in a deep struggle, is usually when they're with me, um, and you know, often people will say, "Well, look, I, I'll do it this time. I'm going to get myself out of it, but I never want to go here again." And if it is appropriate, what I will say to people is I never want you to forget this time because you're going to need it to remember that you can get out of it if you ever do start to even go near it, you know, hopefully by remembering those feelings and how you got yourself out of it, it will be enough to stop you descending so far into the darkness. So please never forget how it feels to go there because you're going to need that. And that's how you turn fear and darkness into your friend because you go you're coming in right I hear you I need to get some help here or you know whatever I need to do I need to speak out I need to tune into you know some of the actions that got me out of this the last time and you know you've you've, you've visited that you know two 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 times since the initial time and um I guess that that kind of leads me on to asking my final question which feels quite brave for me to ask it but I'm gonna do it anyway um are you grateful for your HIV diagnosis do you know that's a, that's a brilliant question and in a way I am yeah I the the impact it's had on my life um you know because because people have said to me would you 
would you have rather not been diagnosed? And actually, the answer is always no. It's changed me so much in a in a positive way. Is that cliche again? Um, but it's changed me so much in in such a good way, giving me the strength that I don't think I would have had without this experience. Um, so no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything to be honest. I'm I'm almost glad that I I got it. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it does sound, just feel weird to say it. It feels quite strange to say it. It might sound strange to other people to hear it, but, you know, the kind of profound impact that it's had on my life, on my, you know, my understanding of my own sexual health, my own mental health, would I have, would I have got that understanding and the strength and this courage without, without being diagnosed with HIV? I don't, I don't, I don't want to say no, but I don't think it would be the same it's necessitated you being this version of yourself and and maybe you know you you wouldn't have got there without this diagnosis or maybe it would have taken a lot longer maybe it would have been something else that you know that broke you and 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 therefore helped you pick yourself up and build something incredibly strong and stronger because of what broke you not despite it yeah absolutely yes yeah it's, it's really it's interesting because I've you know I've been asked similar questions but not in that way um so it's interesting to kind of think about it in a different way so yeah yeah I'm, I'm all for um turning the shit into fertilizer so. <laughs> I love that it's brilliant <laughs> It's like, well, look, it's what you've been given. How we're going to help you be even more amazing because of it. You know, that's. Uh, I think that's the purpose of suffering to help us realize the truth of our, um, well, divinity, amazingness, whatever you want to call it. It's in there, and if you're not going to realize it without the suffering, then you know the universe will send you some to help you. <laughs> and it sounds like um, you know you responded incredibly well to your challenge um challenges um and i i am grateful that you know that you approached this in the way that you did because it meant that we could meet and um yeah. you know that if a lot of people say on the podcast you know if i can help change one person's life as a consequence of sharing this well you already did mine so thank <laughs> you um, you know it's, it's interesting you say that because actually that was when I recorded my first video at the kind of at the end of it I was like if, if this video reaches just one person that's you know struggling or is in you know dark place just been diagnosed then you know that's kind of all I can ask that's more than I can ask actually so it's interesting you mentioned that <laughs> you've done it several times over but certainly <laughs> certainly one more tonight so um thank you so so much for that and um Okay, I think we're. I think that's a great point to to finish. Is that okay with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think one, uh, maybe just one like lasting thing is I would say that um, you know, for people, where it doesn't matter what sexuality you are now, the the important thing is just to to get tested. Um, you know, specifically for HIV, but kind of you know, sexual health full stop. Um, you know, the government has uh, a goal to end new HIV transmissions by the year 2030. Um, and, you know, alongside, you know, using condoms um, and other, other protection methods, getting testing is one of the, yeah, one of the biggest ways that, you know, it's the only way that we know if we've got HIV. I think about, I think about 
that statistics, I never said that word, are about 20% of people don't have any, you know, effects, you know, or illnesses that come with an HIV diagnosis. So, you know, if everyone can get tested, um, you know, that's that's going a huge, huge way to, to, you know, to end in new HIV transmissions. That's one, one lasting thought, I believe. <laughs> oh no, no, and it, it's something that wouldn't have crossed my mind. You know that um, that you can be positive without having any symptoms. And um, I, I mean, I know myself when I was um, not in a relationship, I got tested regularly for a whole suite of things, as is as is the thing. And it always used to feel really nice when I got the results through. So it's like, oh, I feel like I've been really responsible here and, and helping <laughs> out the world, you know. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah, no, thank you for that. And um, I, I know we haven't really mentioned any specific, um, well, the, the organisation that you volunteer for, um, but um, maybe after the after the show, if you would maybe send me just maybe two or three links to organisations that um, you know of as being the most helpful for information and support, um, that would be really great for, for, for me to share just to help any, anyone that wants to do their own research um, for themselves or indeed any, any other reasons that they're, they're interested in. Would that be okay? Yeah, of course, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I'll send you a few over. I've got many that I can send you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And um, would it be okay if we shared um, some uh, your Instagram handle, for example, um, just so that people can connect with you and um, if, if they wanted to kind of message you, would that be okay? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no problem with that at all. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Um, okay. Well, um, I have really, really enjoyed this and um, it's been a pleasure to get to know you even better. And um, thank you for your openness, not just in what you've shared, but also in um, making it feel really comfortable for me to ask my questions that I, I had. Um, I really appreciate being able to do that. So thank you. No, absolutely. It's been, yeah, it's been really good to, to, to be on here and thank you so much for inviting me. Been a, yeah, it's been an honour. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, well, um, I mentioned before that I'll be coming down to Brighton, hopefully, um, in the near future. So I'll definitely be in touch and hopefully yes. we can meet for a drink or something and, yeah. Um, yeah, meet in person. Definitely let me know as soon as you're down and I'll uh, we'll catch up. Okay, thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Martin. It's been amazing. Thank you. Well, what a guy. I hope you enjoyed that. When I thought about asking Matt on the podcast and knew that his story was predominantly around his HIV positive status, I was wondering how that might enable people to connect with their own experiences. And I think something that came through very clearly for me and personally, you know, it helped me reflect on some things that were sat beneath the surface. Uh, a lot of stuff around my own coming out as gay. There's definitely a lot of unexplored places within me around that that were brought a little more to the surface in listening to some of what Matt talked about. But also that general idea about coming out, you know, speaking out bravely about those things that maybe you keep to yourself, really important parts of who you are 
and that can be across any aspect of who you are could even be some of your dreams and hopes for yourself that you wouldn't dare speak of. I think Matt has shown how incredibly fulfilling it can be to to take that, you know, to take that step off the cliff edge and and finally open up and see how amazing you can be if you're willing to do that and allow others into your inner world for the benefits that it can provide them, you know being authentic and true, allowing you to shine your weird light so that your other weirdos know where to find you. Just amazing, just amazing guy. There'll be loads of links in the show notes uh, for support on some of the issues that were raised today and a link to Matt's Instagram as well where you can contact him if you want to give him feedback and of course send it to me too. You know I love it and uh, as I keep mentioning I'll be doing a feedback episode shortly so, our first male guest that wasn't Amram. I hope you enjoyed having this different perspective. And I've got uh, interviews with two more men. One I'm actually recording today. So I look forward to sharing that with you within the next week. And as always, get strong, stay open, kind, and be grateful. Lots of love to you all. Take care until next time. Bye-bye.